you won't be able to say no to the devil unless you've said yes to Christ. That's by Rick Warren. And I really love his book, A Purpose, The Purpose Driven Life. And highly recommend it to anyone who loves a bunch of sweet quotes. Like my designer side of myself wants to highlight, tweet, design everything with almost all the quotes that he has. They're so fun. A lot of alliteration. You would really enjoy the book. Okay, uh, dad's calling. Hold on. Oh man, so it looks like Miss Flora woke up, but she was soaked because she peed herself. And that also means that she peed herself so much that she wet her blankie and her she and everything. So dad has to go and wash those. Oh, by the way, I just saw, um, because I'm waiting for Finn, I just saw a sweet Tesla come. And I will say that I love the Tesla. Um like the way that the arm like the way that the back doors open is awesome and it makes it look like it's a winged vehicle or something it's pretty sweet and legit i mean i don't know if all teslas do that but i hope they do (laughs) anyways i see some peeps dropping off their kids and looks like they're coming from back to the future (laughs) and it's so cool but i I still love my dream van. This is my dream van and I've dreamt about it since I was 14. So I like would not trade the van for a Tesla ever. Anyway, back to the scriptures. Welcome to scriptures with mom and Terry. This is the mom. I'm the mom, Linda Weinecker, and we are going to be reading Doctrine and Covenants 89 to 92. And thanks for being here also, because I know that I kind of ramble on about family stuff, but that's only because I'm trying to preserve a little bit of that um, so that you could get a visual of like where we're at with, with life and help you know that life is beautifully imperfect and busily glorious you know just it's so awesome and sometimes it's hard to and but it's okay because it's all gonna be okay because through christ we can do anything right right say it with me right um okay so we are going to get started let's see if i can bring it up in my app right now we are currently using just an app on my phone because that way I can record wherever I'm at and I don't have to be tied down by like the podcast room, the podcast studio. And sadly, I don't know how to park. And so people can't park next to me. (laughs) Hopefully the copper can park next to me. Oh, it looks like he's about to. So anyway, we're going to get right, get started. Section 89, Revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet at Kirtland, Ohio, February 27, 1833. As a consequence of the early brethren using tobacco in their meetings, the prophet was led to ponder upon the matter. Consequently, he inquired of the Lord concerning it. This revelation, known as the word of wisdom, was the result. And I just have to say that when the brethren heard the word of wisdom about tobacco and this is just like throwing it in they 
all threw it away. They stopped like cold turkey. And I was just like really shocked. I'm like, for real? They didn't, they don't, they didn't like have any reservation at all whatsoever. And I think that that's amazing. Like, do we have that kind of determination when we hear a commandment? Like, I guess that's it for us on that, you know? So anyway, I thought that was cool. Okay, number one on one to nine, the use of wine, strong drinks, tobacco, and hot drinks is pres- proscribed. 10 to 17 herbs, fruits, flesh, and grain are ordained for the use of man and of animals. 18 to 21, obedience to the gospel law, including the word of wisdom, brings temporal and spiritual blessings. It's so hot. That's why I can't turn off the car, but it looks like the kids are coming out. Uh, okay, number one, a word of wisdom for the benefit. Oh, do, do you remember when we saw the David Bowman um uh, word of wisdom episode it was amazing right he was the wow and then we did that dance wow you look really nice (laughs) but it was he like adjusted that song it's so funny because that is like a song um that was super popular in on social media and everybody was doing like dances to it and you know you know how it goes with like tiktok once somebody does it then everybody wants to do it and so it was like that and he did it was like a parody and it was just amazing <laughs> i was dying and he did it based on like fruits and veggies and the word of wisdom and it was just so cool and anyway dad actually learned that dance and was hilarious because we should have recorded it but maybe we'll have to practice some more and put it on YouTube or something so that you guys will find it one day. Okay, uh, a word of wisdom for the benefit of the Council of High Priests assembled in Kirtland and the church and also saints in Zion. To be sent greeting, not by commandment or constraint, but by revelation and the word of wisdom, showing forth the order and will of God in the temporal salvation of all saints in the last days. So it doesn't just apply to some people it applies to all of us it applied to them and it especially applies to us because we're in the last days here right given number three given for a principle with promise who doesn't like those adapted to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of all saints who are or can be called saints i don't think he's trying to insult people by calling us weak but he's definitely trying to point out that those things can weaken us. You remember the the scene in Bolt when he is getting out of the box and they have those um, packing peanuts and he gets out and he can't use his powers and he's like thinking the packing peanuts totally got him and he's like getting all like riled up and trying to stay, like get away from those packing peanuts and he turns and he's like, oh, those weaken me. <laughs> That's what, like, all those things that the Lord is trying to tell us here will affect us in a negative way. They will weaken us. They will weaken us physically. And then when we are weakened physically, we are, of course, weakened spiritually. And so it's about being prepared and staying strong and always being alert and using our bodies for good so that we can continue to be an instrument in his hands and continue to fight, you know, uh, because when we're weakened, we can't do anything. We can't protect ourselves. So 
it's like why people exercise and why you know you practice things so you can get stronger okay um that inasmuch as any man drinketh wine or strong drink among you behold it is not good neither meet in the sight of your father only in assembling yourselves together to offer up your sacraments before him oh whoops i totally skipped the rest of verse four okay remind me not to insert my momentary in the middle of verse verses because then i forget to finish reading them okay so number we're going to go back number four behold verily thus saith the lord unto you in consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days i have warned you and forewarned you by giving unto you this word of wisdom by revelation okay so maybe i didn't but uh even read that one okay so he's trying to warn us just like what i just said okay that inasmuch as any man drinketh wine or strong drink among you behold it is not good neither meet in the sight of your father only in assembling yourselves together to offer up your sacraments before him and behold this should be wine yea pure wine of the grape of the vine of your own make okay can i just share a little story here i wasn't going to share this until there was a good time but apparently this is the perfect time to share this um, so I don't know if I'll ever share this in person. Hopefully I'll find the perfect moment or the right time to share it in person. Um, but I guess if you are listening to this podcast, then this or audio version, um, then you'll, this will, this is the right time for you to hear it. So, okay. So back in the day when I was, oh, 16 to 18, 19, between those ages, um, or no, 16, yeah, anyway, I was around 16, and I had a bunch of friends who would always invite us over to their house, and basically their parents did not care what they did, in fact, I don't know if I ever saw their parents, anyway, so, um, they had liquor there, and it was, always super fun and music, you know, and you guys know how much I love music and dancing. And so I and all my friends were there. So I would always go because I loved my friends that were there and I loved the music, but I never drank anything like never tried the things that they were trying. Just like I was fine not doing anything. And for so long, you know, I was like the designated driver um, and a really good friend of mine um, would probably prefer that I didn't so that I could be the designated driver all the time. (laughs) And I didn't let any of my friends drive home. It was just like, it was like, I felt like I was protecting them after they were having a great time. I don't know. It's messed up. And... (laughs) probably not the safest environment to be in when I'm trying to wear my armor and I'm trying to stay strong and resist that temptation. Um, But after you expose yourself so many times to a certain environment, to a certain situation, um, it can weaken you if you don't strengthen yourself. And at the time, I was not strengthening myself. I was not reading my scriptures the way that I do now. And I was not um, going to seminary as often as I 
wanted to go, I suppose. I wanted, I'm saying like, I wish I would have want, I wish I would have went to seminary more than I did <laughs> looking back now. And I, I, I just wasn't getting the strength that I needed sufficient enough to withstand those kinds of attacks from the adversary. I didn't recognize them as such. So I was putting myself in that situation. Um, and I thought that I was going to be just fine. And I think I was for the most part, um, around my friends and things. Anyway, then I had this other friend of mine who was my best friend, um, but at church. So you have like, well, I did anyway, I had school friends who, knew that I was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and that I didn't do anything and they called me church lady for so long and (laughs) because they knew. And then I had church friends who I would hang out with and I had my Hispanic church friends who I grew up with since I was young and then I had my new friends from the English ward, English-speaking ward, um, In now that I was... um, in high school, there was a new ward that had been created. And anyway, like it was super close to our house. So, um, I, I think our, our family was asked to switch over from the Spanish speaking ward to the English speaking ward because the Spanish speaking ward was just for people who couldn't speak Spanish or couldn't speak English at all. And so that's why they have the Spanish speaking so that they can actually have, um, gospel learning in their language. So anyway, so we switched over to the English speaking ward and I had some friends there and it was awesome. And then, uh, one of my friends there, she decided that she wanted to go to a restaurant and go drink at a bar. Like, cause every restaurant kind of has, well, not every, but like some restaurants have like these bars where there's bartenders and they sell alcohol and they make fancy drinks and you can get them there. Anyway, I knew about them because I worked at um, Olive Garden at the time. Oh, now I'm trying to think of when that was. Anyway, of for age purposes, I know I was driving because I was by my like I was able to drive myself to places, and so it had to be between the age of sixteen and and eighteen, maybe eighteen. Anyway, so my friend really wanted to go to one of these restaurants and get like order some kind of alcoholic drink. And I was really shocked at my friend's request to do this because she was a member of the church and I was just like, wait, what? But I looked up to her so much that I was like, well, but if my friend from, from, if my friends from school don't make me do it, then, you know it's fine. But then my friend from church is doing it. I guess it's okay. Maybe I was justifying it in my mind. Like maybe it's okay if I just try it, you know? And she really tried to convince me really hard to, to do it. And so I was like, fine, you know, we'll do it. And it wasn't an amazing experience. It was really bad. And I was, I threw up all over my car and it was a bad experience and I chose to not do it again because it was not a very good experience and 
I didn't like the way I felt the following day. And I just, I don't, I don't see the appeal anymore. You know, I don't remember what happened during the time that I had been doing. I remember everything up until that point. And then I remember cleaning up, throw up all over my car. Um, I was in the passenger seat when I was throwing up and anyway, it was just like not a great idea. (laughs) And I'm sad at myself that I wasn't strong enough to resist the t- the temptation and resist her request to do that because it didn't add anything to my life it didn't help us have a strong relationship together in fact we're not friends now we don't speak and that there's a friend who actually who I also grew up with um by our apartment complex that we grew up in when I was like 5 and she was one of my friends who um, made me say, I shouldn't say made because I still had the choice, but she was being really pushy. And she made me say my first curse word. And she, it was while we were in the car and my dad went into the store really quick to get something. And she dared me to say something. And I was like, no, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it, you know? And then she like kept coaxing me, kept telling me I needed to do it. And if I didn't do it, that she was going to tell my dad that I did do it. And anyway, so, so I decided to just do it. I just decided to say it. And it was sad because I didn't really, I didn't want to do it, but somehow I fell into that trap and the, the peer pressure just made me cave in. And so that was, and I'm not friends with her anymore because you know what? If people can't respect your decision to do something, to be a good person, if people aren't lifting you up, then they don't like, I don't want to be friends with people like that, you know, because they don't have your best interest in mind. And same with my friend who tried to convince or who, you know, convinced me to go drink with her. And I was naive and I agreed to do it but I mean I don't think she had to try as hard as my five-year-old best friend but but at this you know it's but I'm not friends with her either so those are like the the friends that don't uplift me the friends that don't help me become a better person I don't want to stay friends with anymore in fact because of that bad experience I think that that's maybe why we couldn't continue to strengthen our relationship. You know, when your relationship is going to involve things that you're not proud of, are you going to keep doing it? Probably not. Are you going to keep seeking out opportunities to hang out with this person? No, you know? And so that's just kind of my thoughts on on that. And so I, so this scripture here actually reminds me of a story though. So after I went to that restaurant and got that, um, that drink and I drank way too much that I threw up and it probably wasn't even that much that I drank because my body does not even process anything except water. Like I stopped drinking soda when I was like 13, maybe. No, it was a, 
I was in ninth grade. So whatever that age is, 14. So I stopped drinking soda then because it was causing stomach problems. So I was drinking water for a while already and I still drink water. But anyway, so I went to the same restaurant and I wanted to get like, I now I knew that like restaurants give you, you know, fun drinks, but you can order them without any alcohol in it. You just have to say virgin pina colada or a virgin strawberry daiquiri or, you know, whatever the drink is that you want to get. You just say like the word virgin in front of it and it says it's without that alcohol. Or you could probably say without alcohol on it, like, and say that. Anyway, so I tried going to that same place because it was like a place that's close by and ordering like this, like similar drink. Um, but I said a virgin pina colada, for example, you know, I don't remember what the drink was and it was probably like a month later, maybe two months later. It didn't seem like super long period of time, but the guy recognized me, the bartender. And this time I was like, we do not need alcohol. So that's why I was like virgin, you know, pina colada. Anyway, I get it back and he looks at me like funny when I ordered it. And I was just like, okay. And like, why is he looking at me? Anyway, so then I I drink it and I'm like, oh, wow, this tastes so weird. And I'm like, why does it taste weird? And you can it, like tell when there's alcohol in a drink because it kind of makes my tongue tingle or go numb, something like that. Because I like to drink drinks out of a straw also. So any drink I get, it doesn't matter. It can be water, it could be soda, it could be strawberry daiquiri, it could be, you know, pina colada, any of those, any of my drinks that I like to drink, it has to be in a straw. And so um, when I drink it, when I was drinking it, I I could feel my tongue went numb. And I was like, this is the weirdest drink ever. Anyway, and then I look at, like I was drinking, I look at the guy and he's like winking at me. Like, hey, like I, like, like he knows something that I don't know. And I'm like, oh no. You know, and like I said, I couldn't remember what I even did the night that I drank. And so I was like, wait a minute he put alcohol in here. And I was like, did you put alcohol in here? And he was like, he was like, I can't really say, but he gave me another wink. And I was like, oh no. I'm like, this ruins this drink because like, I already didn't want to drink anymore. Like I had repented from that. Like I told the Lord I wasn't going to drink anymore and I didn't want to worry about it. And now I just went ahead and drank some more. And I was just like, oh, great, this guy. And I was like, okay. Like I didn't, I wanted to be playing it cool and stuff. So of course I was like, okay, thanks. Right? Like I was like, oh, I want to be so cool. And so um, I left or I, yeah, I left and I chucked the drink away, like into the garbage. Because I was like, I am not drinking any more of this. And that actually felt really good because it takes guts to pay for something and not use it at least especially for me cuz i was you know super poor teenagers don't usually have a bunch of money especially not me and i was just like okay great so i just paid all kinds of money for this one drink and i had to throw it away 
and I was looking forward to drinking it. So, but it takes courage to throw something away that has been, that that you worked hard to get, you know, and, but it was tampered with. And so you can't, you couldn't have it. And that's what this scripture reminds me of because it says, behold, and behold, or DNC 89.6, and behold, this should be wine, yea, pure wine of the grape of the vine of your own make. And then number seven, and again, strong drinks are not for the belly, but for the washing of your bodies. So the Lord knows this, but I'm, I was still learning. And so he is trying to help us and protect us by telling us, like, unless you make it yourself, don't be drinking stuff. Oh, excuse me. From other people because they could be poisoning you. And honestly, if that was like real poison, like, I mean, like that would kill you in an instant, then I would have died on the spot. Right. And like, imagine those peeps back in the day when they would just drink stuff without even checking it. Right. And, and they'd get drunk, but like people could put like real poison in there and just kill them. And so anyways, the Lord is trying to watch out for us and people aren't really trying to watch out for us. That guy, he thought he was doing me a favor because he thought I would give him like some kind of awesome tip for that. And, but then I didn't and I walked out and I threw the thing away. And so, I mean, we have to be mindful that of our choices and who's watching and we need to be very watchful and alert too. I should have seen that guy pouring alcohol into my drink, but I missed it somehow, right? And he could have easily poisoned me in a way that would have really hurt me or sent me to the hospital, you know? Like, so I'm, I'm grateful that we have these scriptures um, as a reminder, and they help me to like remember those things that that I've been through because it is hard to remember each one of the details because it's been so long since it happened. But I wanted to make sure that I shared that that experience and that story with you. Maybe I'm hoping that it gives you strength to continue and to not waste your virtue on fleeting moments like that because really it's not as that was not one of my strengthening moments in life for sure um okay so we are oh boy where am i at with this <laughs> something happened where i accidentally pressed button um okay we're still on section 89 um verse 8 now and again, tobacco is not for the body, neither for the belly, and is not good for man, but is an herb for bruises and all sick cattle to be used with judgment and skill. And again, hot drinks are not for the body or belly. And again, verily I say unto you, all wholesome herbs God hath ordained for the cons- constitution, nature, and use of man. Every herb in the season thereof and every fruit in the season thereof, all these to be used with prudence and thanksgiving. And, um, just to give a heads up today, a little history on today, we are talking about food, um, 
having a conversation with Faust because I had to pick him up from school because his tummy didn't feel good. And then we went over the food that he had eaten. And here's what he ate. He ate potatoes at Grandma's. And he ate bread, which Finn and Faust actually made together. Good job, fellas. So he ate potatoes and biscuits. Plus, he ate cake and ice cream. And didn't not once did he eat protein, not once did he eat any veggies. And so it's kind of sad because he is realizing, you know, that his body can't handle those uh, too many carbs without any other ingredients in there. And trying to teach him about, you know, how protein works and how it can help break down some of those carbs and help process those things. But it's what the Lord is trying to tell us here. It's he's trying to give us instruction. He made our bodies and he knows what is going to help and what is not going to help. So he's trying to tell us here to stay away from those things that are not going to be beneficial to our bodies. And sure, there are, you know, a lot of people can tell you that, you know, marijuana or certain drugs are considered an herb and that it's okay because... I need it for pain or I need it for something, you know, and yeah, there's going to be people that tell you that now that it's that there's certain drugs that are legal, just because things are legal does not mean that they are good for our body. The world man does not know what's good for our body. <laughs> um, and, but God does, right? So we have to be consistent with what, with who we're listening to. The world is going to continue to change what they think is good for us. They used to think that babies sleeping on their back was was bad. And so then they went to babies sleeping on their stomach. And then they went, then they said babies sleeping on their stomach is bad. And so then they put babies on their back again. And, you know, and it's just like, it's always changing. And what I love about the Lord is that he is constant. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And his instruction is not going to go away when somebody feels like it. When somebody feels like they want to change some kind of thing. Oh, we have more data now on this. And so now we know that wine's good for you. Or now we know that wine's not good for you. And now we know that tobacco, back then, back in the day, people used to smoke like crazy. And now there's warnings on on cigarettes that say that they cause cancer, right? Like it's just the Lord was already telling people what things are good for us and what things are bad for us. Okay. And then, um, he does say that we need to use things um, with prudence and thanksgiving. So always be grateful. And prudence means means just to be cautious when you're going to eat something. So yeah, and when we're being cautious, that means let's let's know what it is that we are putting into our bodies, because that will help us um, understand what it is that that we're intaking. Because our body needs fuel. And if it doesn't get the right fuel, it can not perform the way we want it to perform. Okay, um, number 12. Yea, flesh also of beasts and of fowls of the air, I, the Lord, have ordained for the use of man with thanksgiving. Nevertheless, they are to be used sparingly. And it is pleasing unto me that they should not be used only in times of winter or of cold or of famine. 
All grain is ordained for the use of man and of beasts to be the staff of life, not only for man, but for the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven and all wild animals that run or creep on the earth. And these hath God made for the use of man only in times of and these hath God made for the use of man only in times of famine and excess of hunger. All grain is good for the food of man, all as also the fruit of the vine, that which yieldeth fruit, whether in the ground or above the ground. Nevertheless, wheat for man, and corn for the ox, and oats for the horse, and rye for the fowls, and for swine, and for all beasts of the field, and barley for all useful animals, and for mild drinks, as also other grain. And all saints who remember to keep and do these things, walking in obedience to the commandments, shall receive health in their navel and marrow in their bones, and shall find wisdom and great treasures of knowledge, even hidden treasures, and shall run and not be weary, and shall walk and not faint. And I, the Lord, give unto them a promise that the destroying angel shall pass by them as the children of Israel and not slay them. Amen. So I remember dad was telling me that that during one of his things he was listening to dad listens to pretty much all the same podcasts that i listen to um but he really liked one of the connections that they made between health in our navel or about our navel and how the navel actually for a baby and since we just have flora you know everything's so fresh in our minds about babies and everything and so the umbilical cord is connected to um, to the baby. And that's where the baby gets all its nutrients and nutrition from mom. And, um, and the Lord here is saying that as we obey commandments and remember to keep, remember to, you know, do all these things that he's saying that we will receive health in our navel and, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, yes, it means we're going to be healthy, right? But the Lord likes to use visual examples to help us understand what he's talking about. And so, yeah, he is talking about the navel, but the navel can be connected just like it's connected to the mom physically when we're babies. We can be connected spiritually to the Lord throughout our lives, and that will continue to keep us um, healthy spiritually as, as we keep our body healthy, then we're able to receive more revelation for our spirit because when our body's not feeling good, our spirit's not going to feel that great, you know? And unless it's now I'm trying to give an example, unless it's from some, something else that, maybe was out of our control. Like for example, LJ, her body was affected by cancer. And so, you know, but I don't, I mean, I think even though her body was affected by cancer, she was still able to maintain like amazing spiritual connection to the Lord. And so I think that's a little bit different because she didn't smoke a day in her life and she had stage four cancer. I don't get it. Stage four lung cancer. So anyways, um, so there we go. That was section 89 and we're going to read section 90. And this one seems like it's a really long (laughs) section. So I'm going to try to not 
say as much when reading this one because I know we've been reading a lot uh, or stopping a lot. So section 90, Revelation at to Joseph Smith the prophet given at Kirtland, Ohio, March 8th, 1833. This revelation is a continuing step in the establishment of the first presidency. See the heading to section 81. As a consequence thereof, the counselors mentioned were ordained on March 18th, 1833. One to five, the keys of the kingdom are committed to Joseph Smith and through him to the church. Six to seven, Sidney Rigdon and Frederick G. Williams are to serve in the first presidency. 8 to 11, the gospel is to be preached to the nations of Israel, to the Gentiles, and to the Jews, every man hearing in his own tongue. 12 to 18, Joseph Smith and his counselors are set are to set the church in order. 19 to 37, various individuals are counseled by the Lord to walk uprightly and serve in his kingdom. Oh, we have Miss Flora woke up. Okay, we're back, and we're on verse 1 in Doctrine and Covenants section 90. Thus saith the Lord, Verily, verily, I say unto you, my son, thy sins are forgiven thee according to thy petition for the prayers and the prayers of thy brethren have come up into my ears. Therefore, thou art blessed from henceforth that bear the keys of the kingdom given unto you, which kingdom is coming forth for the last time. Verily, I say unto you, the keys of this kingdom shall never be taken from you while thou art in the world, neither in the world to come. Nevertheless, through you shall the oracles be given to another, yea, even unto the church. And all they who receive the oracles of God, let them beware how they hold them, lest they are accounted as a light thing and are brought under condemnation thereby and stumble and fall when the storms descend and the winds blow and the rains descend and beat upon their house. Okay, so here in verse 5, it talks about how we are going to receive oracles and the red-headed hostess says those are also known as revelations from so revelations and so if we receive these revelations and don't take them seriously then we will be under serious condemnation and i think that applies to not just you know joseph smith and these brethren, and then the saints at the time, right? But I think this also means us. Like, they took it so seriously that they made a whole book about it, right? The Doctrine and Covenants to make sure that we, they preserved it so that we could have it. And now we're reading it and um, we need to obviously esteem their record keeping as something that of value obviously that they knew that the lord would want them to keep for us and so now it's our job to um preserve them in a way that we use them in our lives so that we don't waste it right so when you read the scriptures do we apply those things that we're learning into our lives or do we just read it so that we can check the the box right um that's something that you will want to figure out for yourselves and um there's a quote from elder anthony d perkins in the october 12 2012 general conference says studying ancient and modern scripture connects us to god 
the Lord cautioned church members to beware how they hold the prophets, lest they are counted as a light thing and are brought under condemnation thereby and stumble and fall. To avoid this sobering condemnation, we should diligently, or like Linda, like your mom likes to translate, we can, right, diligently read the scriptures as well as church magazines and websites that enable us to be counseled in an intimate and personal way by the Lord's chosen prophet. And when we do, okay, so end quote. And I'm just adding like, and when we do, that can change our lives. But if we don't, then we don't make any progress. And if we don't make progress, why are we here, right? So when they give us these, when the Lord gives us these, these revelations, it's not so that we can take up more space on our bookshelf, right? It's so that we can use them in our lives to better ourselves. And then once we better ourselves and we um, choose to come closer to Christ, then we can help his kingdom roll forth, right? Okay, um, number six. And again, verily I say unto you, thy brethren, Sidney Rigdon and Frederick G. Williams, their sins are forgiven them also, and they are counted as equal with thee in holding the keys of this last kingdom. I always just love when they say, when the Lord says, their sins are forgiven thee, or their sin, sins are forgiven them, and always forgiving sins. Why is that always our... Thing that we worry about you know because we do it so often so we always want to be reassured okay number seven as also through your administration the keys of the school of the prophets which i have commanded to be organized that thereby they may be perfected in their ministry for the salvation of zion and of the nations of israel and of the gentiles as many as will believe that through your administration they may receive the word, and through their administration the word may go forth unto the ends of the earth, unto the Gentiles first, and then behold, and lo, they shall turn unto the Jews. And then cometh the day when the arm of the Lord shall be revealed in power and convincing the nations and heathen nations, the house of Joseph, of the gospel of their salvation. For it shall come to pass... In that day that every man shall hear the fullness of the gospel in his own tongue and in his own language through those who are ordained unto this power by the administration of the comforter shed forth upon them for the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, so number 11 says, For in that day that every man shall hear the fullness of the gospel in their own tongue. That's so true right now. If you've ever been to the visitor center at temple square here in salt lake city you know because there's that cool display of all the different copies of the book of mormon in different languages you know there's that cool display and like just being able to see that that's been translated so many different languages just it's just really cool to see and really cool to know that those people are able to get the scriptures you know okay verse 12 now verily I say unto you, I give unto you a commandment that you continue in the ministry and presidency. And when you have finished the translation of the prophets, you shall from thenceforth preside over the affairs of the church in the school. And from time to time, as shall be manifested by the comforter, receive revelations to unfold the mysteries of the kingdom. 
and set in order the churches and study and learn and become acquainted with all good books and with languages, tongues, and people. And this shall be your business and mission in all your lives to preside and counsel and set in order all the affairs of this church and kingdom. Okay, so this is, I love it when they say the business, right? Even though this, he's just saying like, that's your responsibility. But when you think of set in order all the affairs, he's including like businesses, businesses and things like that. And so that's like my favorite. Of course, you guys know I love business and talking about entrepreneurship um, and starting businesses. So sometimes I picture like the world of the pioneers and wonder how many business ideas would I've gotten there and how many would I have wanted to start and things, right? Like would I have been the one that would wanted to start the copy shop or the book printing? I don't know. It's fun to think about. Um, okay. And number 17. Be not ashamed, neither confounded, but be admonished in all your high-mindedness mindedness and pride, for it bringeth a snare upon your souls. Set in order your houses, keep slothfulness and uncleanliness far from, far from you. Number 19, now verily I say unto you, let there be a place provided as soon as it is possible for the family of thy counselor and scribe, even Frederick G. Williams. And let mine aged servant Joseph Smith Sr. continue with his family upon the place where he now lives and let it not be sold until the mouth of the Lord shall say, shall name. And let my counselor even Sidney Brigden remain where he now resides until the mouth of the Lord shall, shall name. And let the bishop search diligently to obtain an agent and let him be a man who has got riches in store, a man of God and a strong and of strong faith, that thereby he may be enabled to discharge every debt that the storehouse of the Lord may not be brought into disrepute before the eyes of the people. Search diligently, pray always, and be believing, and all things shall work together for your good. If ye walk uprightly and remember the covenant wherewith ye have covenanted one with another. This scripture totally reminds me of a quote from President Hinckley. And he's, he was like, to me, he reminds me of like being optimistic and positive. And this is the quote that, or this is what he said during a general conference. He said, quote, in my 90 plus years, I have learned a secret. I have learned that when good men and good women face challenges with optimism, things will always work out. Truly, things always work out. Despite how difficult circumstances may look at the moment, those who have faith and move forward with a happy spirit will find that things always work out, end quote. He was always sharing such good, positive, uplifting things. He's always so uplifting. And so when I read that scripture, that's the quote that I remember from President Hinckley. Okay, so that was verse 24. Let's go 25. Okay. Let your families be small, especially mine aged servant, Joseph Smith Sr., as pertaining to those who do not belong to your families. <laughs> this is funny. I guess we're being obedient because our family is small. If that's what they were even talking about. Um, number 26, that those things that are provided for you to bring to pass my work be not taken from you and given to those that are not worthy. 
and thereby you be hindered in accomplishing those things which I have commanded you. And again, verily I say unto you, it is my will that my handmaid, Vienna Jack, Jackie's, Jack, I don't know how to say that, it's probably French, should receive money to bear her expenses and go up unto the land of Zion. And the residue of the money may be consecrated unto me, and she be rewarded in mine own due time. Verily say I say unto you that it is meet in mine eyes that she should go up unto the land of Zion and receive an inheritance from the hand of the bishop, that she may settle down in peace inasmuch as she is faithful and not be idle in her days from thenceforth. And behold, verily I say unto you that ye shall write this commandment and say unto your brethren in Zion in love greeting, and I have called you also to preside over Zion in mine own due time. Okay, so we're reading about Vienna, and here in the Redheaded Hostess it says that only months after this revelation, Vienna would be a witness to the tarring and feathering of Bishop Edward Partridge in Jackson County, Missouri, and would collect the scattered and incomplete copies of the Book of Mormon as they fell at the feet of the angry mob. Vienna was born in June 10, 1787 in Beverly, Massachusetts, and it is believed that she worked as a nurse in the area of Boston. At the age of 43, in 1831, Vienna, seeking after truth, was taught the gospel by the missionaries, and after having a vision of the Book of Mormon, she received a testimony of it and became firmly convinced of its divine authenticity. Um... And she was baptized shortly after the summer of 1831 and then returned to Boston where she helped convert many of her family members. She then returned to Kirtland with $1,400, which is a ton, in savings, which she consecrated to the church. Joseph would write that her offerings proved a savior of life as pertaining to the church's pecuniary financial concern. Um... And then, with her money now consecrated, the Lord directed the church to pay for Vienna's travel to Zion. So remember that only the worthy were sent to Zion, and Vienna had proven her faithfulness. Vienna stayed faithful and ultimately moved to Salt Lake with the pioneers. There she continued to serve and have great influence. She even traveled to Provo with John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff, and Orson Pratt, where she was one of the speakers to a group of 800 people at age 90 there was an article in the woman's exponent written about her that said quote she lives entirely alone does all her own housework including washing ironing and cooking writes many letters and does a great deal of reading sister vienna is a very is very familiar with the scriptures this last spring she has made 61 pounds of butter and milked her own cow <laughs> she was a doer and we liked her or we like her. I'm sure a lot of people liked her at the time, but I like her right now. She sounds awesome. Um, okay, so I'm going to pause again right there because um, because Miss Flora woke up. But actually, let me finish reading because we're on we were on 32. Okay, 33. Therefore, let them cease wearying me concerning this matter. <laughs> Hold on. I love that. Cease wearying me. I'm going to start saying that. Um, that must be like, don't bother me about this. <laughs> Cease wearying me concerning this matter. Uh, behold, I say unto you that your brethren in Zion begin to repent and the angels rejoice over them. Because angels always rejoice when people repent. Nevertheless, I am not well pleased with the many things and I am not well pleased with my servant, William E. McClellan. Oh, you do not want to be on that side. Neither with my servant, Sidney Gilbert. Shh. 
and the bishop also and others have many things to repent of. That's where they'd be like, that's the Lord. I am not well pleased with Linda Weiniger um, because and others. Um, but ver- number 36, but verily I say unto you that I, the Lord, will contend with Zion and plead with her strong ones and chasten her until she overcomes and is clean before me. That's, I, I think that's a threat and a promise. <laughs> Is that a threat? And a promise. For she shall not be removed out of her place. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Amen. Okay, and we're going to read number, section number 91. It's a short one. Revelation given through Joseph Smith, the prophet at Kirtland, Ohio, March 9th, 1833. The prophet was at the time engaged in the translation of the Old Testament. Having some, er, having come to that portion of the ancient writings called the Apocrypha, he inquired of the Lord and received this instruction. One to three, the Apocrypha is mostly translated correctly, but contains many interpolations by the hands of men that are not true. Four to six, it benefits those enlightened by the Spirit. Verily thus saith the Lord unto you concerning the Apocrypha. There are many things contained therein that are true, and it is mostly translated correctly. There are many things contained therein that are not true, which are in interpolations by the hands of men. And if I click on interpolations, um, I guess it's just like record keeping that by the hands of men that are not true. Um, and then number three, verily I say unto you that it is not needful that the Apocrypha should be translated. Therefore, whoso read it, readeth it, let him understand it for the Spirit manifesteth truth. And whoso is enlightened by the Spirit shall obtain benefit therefrom. And whoso receiveth not by the Spirit cannot be benefited. Therefore, it is not needful that it should be translated. Amen. So, um, it says, what is the Apocrypha uh, here in the Red-Headed Hostess? So, I'm going to just give a little quote here from this. Um, it's, a, it's from Elder Bruce R. McConkie. And he says, scholars and biblical students have grouped certain apparently scriptural or Old Testament writings, which they deem to be of doubtful authenticity or of a spurious nature under the title of the Apocrypha. There has not always been agreement as to the specific writings, which should be designated as apocryphal, but the following are now generally so listed. First and second, Esdras, sometimes called third and fourth Esdras, because the Douay Bible, because in the Douay Bible, Ezra is first Esdras and Nehemiah second Esdras. Tobit, Judith, the rest of the chapters of Esther, wisdom of Solomon, wisdom of Jesus, the son of Sirach, or Ecclesiasticus, Baruch, Baruch, wow, I am torturing these names, and the epistle of Jeremiah, additional parts of Daniel, including the song of the three holy children, the history of Susanna, and the history of the destruction of Bel, and the dragon prayer of Manassas, first and second Maccabees, called the Douay version, first and second Maccabees. These apocryphal writings were never included in the Hebrew Bible, but they were in the Greek man, Septuagint, <laughs> the Old Testament used by the early apostles, and in the Latin 
Vulgate, Jerome, who translated the Vulgate, was required to include them in his translation, though he is quoted as having decided they should be read, for example, of life and instruction of manners and should not be used to establish any doctrine. The Apocrypha was included in the King James Version of 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 1611, but by the year 1629 some english bibles began to appear without it and since the early part of the 19th century it has been excluded from almost all protestant bibles from these dates it is apparent that controversy was still raging as to the value of the apocrypha at the time the prophet began his ministry accordingly accordingly in 1833 while engaged in revising the king james version by the spirit of revelation the prophet felt impelled to inquire of the lord as to the authenticity of the apocrypha from the answer it is clear that the books of the apocrypha were inspired writings in the first instance but that subsequently or but subsequent interpolations and changes had perverted and twisted their original context so as to leave them with doubtful value. Obviously, to gain any real value from a study of apocryphal writings, the student must first have an extended background of gospel knowledge, a comprehensive understanding of the standard works of the church, plus the guidance of the spirit. So there you have it. If you're like, I'm going to go dive into that and you've never read the Bible and you've never read the Book of Mormon and you've never read the Doctrine and Covenants all the way, like I wouldn't jump in there because you wouldn't be receiving enlightenment, right? You would be probably just getting confused. At least I couldn't even read the words. So I'm going to focus on trying to uh, read a little bit more the current scriptures that that I've been given (laughs) and then I can add to it later. Okay, section 92, revelation given to Joseph Smith the prophet at Kirtland, Ohio, March 15, 1833. The revelation instructs Frederick G. Williams, who had recently been appointed a counselor to Joseph Smith on his duties in the United Firm. See headings to section 78 and 82. 1 to 2, the Lord gives a commandment relative to to admission to the United Order. Verily thus saith the Lord, I give unto the United Order, organized agreeable to the commandment previously given a revelation and a commandment concerning my servant, Frederick G. Williams, that ye shall receive him into the order. What I say unto unto one, I say unto all. And again, I say unto you, my servant, Frederick G. Williams, you shall be a lively member in this order. And inasmuch as you are faithful in keeping all former commandments, you shall be blessed forever. Amen. I want to be a lively member. And I think that that's, I think that that's a blessing that we can all receive or a name that we can all receive depending on how um how we are with the gospel of jesus christ are we lively would the lord call us lively or we would we be considered lukewarm (laughs) and want to be spewed out right so it's something that we can definitely uh ponder where we're at and i want to be considered a lively member and so what can i do to do to be considered that and we can think about that. All right. Um, that's it for today and or this week. And I have Miss Flora just woke up and poor Fausti is sick. We picked him up from school. And so I am going to let you go and we will be here again soon. Bye. Love you all.